Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I guess I don't need to do that. i got to stop forgetting about the intro. Um, Young Ari Gold here with my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And, John, there was, um, wasn't much excitement yesterday on uh, the first home game for the Houston Texans in 2019. I feel like if I just if I didn't watch the game and I just followed everybody on Twitter, it was like one of the worst games ever played by the Texans. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Last week everybody was celebrating a loss, and then all of a sudden this week we win. But you would have thought that we just lost and we're going to go zero and sixteen. Yeah, that's basically what I got. I, I was I was surprised by how, like, I don't know, I just, I get it, it's the Jags, and there was no Nick Foles, and we were playing a porn star at cornerback, and, or at quarterback, and, um, you know, we should have destroyed them. I, I don't know, it's a division rival game, like, sure, I would have loved to have, you know, won 35 to, you know, 12 or whatever, but I, I think the Jags are just always going to play us extremely tough. They're... Their defense alone, the way that they're able to play man at any given time, I think is is somewhat, not tricky, but it, it gives Deshaun a look that he doesn't see too often. And if you look at his stats against the Jags, uh, he is, I mean, he plays them way worse than he plays any other team in the division. I think he has like a 56% completion rating against the Jags. Like, it's not good. I mean, they're a good defense, John. Am, am I am I tripping here? Or? No, they're a, they're an excellent defense, and I think that's why everybody thought we were going to just roll them because they were short AJ Boye. But I mean, there's still a bunch of other players on that defense. It's not a one man show for there. Yeah, and then I th- I thought okay, so I guess we'll just get into the goods of the game. the The big takeaway for me was the fact that the offensive line really looked like an offensive line for the first time in the Deshaun Watson era. Um, Roger Johnson looked great at right tackle, considering he's never played the right side. Uh, Nick Martin even had a good game. Maybe not a good game snapping the ball, but a good game blocking. Uh, Laramie had a good game. Fulton had a good game. Titus, you know, he was hit or miss, but, I mean, it was his first start as a rookie. Um, I think as time continues and they get more time together and consistency builds and they gel and that chemistry is formed, I'll be honest, John, I don't, I think we might have a better than average offensive line. Well, it's one game. Yeah. It's one game. We've already shown improvement from one week. Again, this was a, another group that's got to gel, two new starters, but it looks as talented as an offensive line as we've had in years. This is what we've, what we've been looking for. This is what we've been waiting for. Again, we just we don't have to have a perfect offensive line. We don't have to have a top 10 offensive line. If we have a top 15 offensive line, watch out. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And then, like, the when you think about the offense in general, like, there are just so many new pieces to be implemented into the offense. And I know against the Saints, like, we saw the high-flying, high-power, you know, high-octane offense that everybody was expecting. And, you know, me and John have been talking about it for, for a while now. This is This is what we expected. But when you're playing a team like the Jags, who are very good and very sound at every single position on defense, and they were even missing their star pass rusher and A.J. Bouye, and they still looked really good. I just, to me, like the offensive line as, as a unit looked really good. Now, we're comparing that to a trash offensive line for the last two seasons, so maybe my expectations are a little – a little, uh, what would it be, lower or higher? Lower? Yeah, expectations were lower coming in. But, I mean, I think give them a couple more weeks, and I I believe that the offensive line isn't going to be the issue. Deshaun was responsible for, I think, two of those sacks. And, and that, that's not counting, or at least I know for a fact one of those sacks on that blit on the corner. Well, according on to the CFS, side, he was responsible for three of them. And then two of them weren't okay. really sacks, so he only got sacked twice. And one of them was his fault, and one of them was Roderick Johnson's fault. I mean, seriously, yeah, okay. so against the Jaguars, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. Well, and one of those was a bad snap. Right. So like, let's just let's take that out completely. They, that counts as a sack for Josh Allen, but let's take that out because that really, yes, it is a sack by statistics, by statistics but um, really – the the one sack that I saw Deshaun take that was on him was the he he didn't pick up a corn blitz again on the on the left side of the line and you know he got rocked but outside of that I, I really thought the offensive line did an extremely good job keeping him clean he had time to throw the the problem wasn't that he had, had didn't have time to throw the problem was that they I mean they're they have good corners they're even missing AJ they they have really good corners that can play man and can press and and get physical off the line. And that's what we saw. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sideline with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.com. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, when you're betting, it's just as important as who you're betting on. And MyBookie.com is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if, it, if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now at MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code TEXANS. That's promo code TEXANS to activate this offer. Go to MyBookie.com, enter promo code TEXANS. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie. Sorry, I've got to use my cough button a lot tonight. I've got a little bit of a cough. So okay. That might be throwing things off just a little bit. But yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars play defense. 
That's all they do. And they're going to show up against the Texans because they always show up against the Texans, and it's annoying as But we are usually able to pull one, pull it out against them. It just never looks never looks pretty. I mean, the best thing that's going to come out of this is Jalen demanding to be traded, which is, dude, I've been calling this for years. He wants to come to Houston. Whether or not he ends up in Houston, I've, I've been saying it. He wants to come to Houston. And get back to – to Deshaun, you know what? Honestly, I hate to say it, but he may have been a little hungover. It was his birthday on Saturday. He went out and he partied. You watched his Instagram. I'm not buying that. So I don't think that he was like – I'm not buying it. No, I don't think he was like drunk hungover, but like, you know, when you go out and you have a lot of fun the night before, you eat a lot of food, even if you didn't drink, he probably messed up his own routine. And it wasn't that he was off by that much, but he was off just a little bit. And then Will Fuller forgot how to catch again after, you know, last week when we gave him props for, remember? God, and that one was just, I mean, that was like as great of a throw as you could have asked for. Yeah, so they were just a little bit off. And against a team with a defense like the Jaguars, to just be a little bit off, that's going to do it. And you know what? Our defense was fine. Um, The porn star wasn't that good. Other than one drive the entire game, the Texans e- when it counted. Yeah, and the Texans easily left twenty-one points on the on the on the field. Easily twenty-one points. So yep. it, it was yep. just one of those things. We shouldn't be having meltdowns over the fact that we barely beat a, a Jaguars team. Remember last year when we went into the same situation in Tennessee and how that turned out? We managed to mess that one up. Same situation. They had their backup quarterback that no one expected them to do anything. They were short a couple key players on defense. We were supposed to be able to feast. And our offense just didn't look right. And they were able to move the ball, not really at will, but they were able to put a couple of drives together just enough to squeak one out. This year, almost the exact same thing happened. Almost. Except this year we pulled it off. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I think, and you're right, with the 21 points, I mean, Will Fuller's drop, that miscommunication between him and Duke Johnson on that wheel route, um, that, I mean, there was definitely opportunities left on the field. I just, it, it kind of is what it is. Like, I feel like every team has one or two of these games a season where you don't look how you're supposed to look or how you're expected to look, but you still pull off a W. And at the end of the day, when we get to the end of the season, nobody's going to come back to week two, you know, once we're in the playoffs and be like, mm, yeah, but we really don't deserve to be here. Thank God for Justin Reed on the two-point conversion stop. Like, mm, nobody's going to say that. The only thing that matters is that you're there. And how you got there really doesn't you matter. You know, in about so, three weeks, everybody's going to forget about this. No one's – they're just going to remember that we won. They're not going to remember how we won. They're just going to remember that we barely won, but they're not going to remember the details. It's just how it is. The national media right now, you can tell how much they actually pay attention to the game because they're just skewering our offensive line. When our offensive line gave up one sack. There was four sacks in the game, but the offensive line gave up one sack. So yeah, that's all you need to know about the national media. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, the national media is never – I mean, they're, first of all, they're not going to be able to watch 16 games. It's just, it's just not possible to do it and then do a radio show the next day. But, 
Uh, I'm, 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 I'm ecstatic with where the offensive line was. It was a good test for the offensive line. Uh, they'll have another good test next week with uh, against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. But, yeah, I, I'm, if you would have told me coming into week two that the offensive line looked as good as it did on Sunday, I wouldn't have believed you. Now, you know, with the addition of Tunsil and Howard and Roger Johnson on the right side, um, I, I think that we're in a good spot. Uh, Nick Martin had his best game, like I said, outside of the two bad snaps. One of them really was on Deshaun, but um, I'm happy. I'm happy with where the offensive line is. If this is the performance we can expect moving forward, then, you know, we're going to be in a really, really good spot. I still expect the offense to start truly clicking starting next week. Uh, next week and the week after that, I give them, I'm giving them until week four. Uh, our offense didn't play a lot, and our first team offense didn't play a lot in the preseason, and it's something you're seeing in the NFL nowadays. Anyways, is weeks one and two are pretty much preseason games for these high high octane offenses, minus the Chiefs and the Patriots. Those are the only two, but um, it is what it is. I, I, I mean, we we know what we have on offense, and we saw what they can do against the Saints. We also have a pretty good defense. Um, I just chalked this one up to, hey, we, we squeaked one. We still got the win. I don't really care how we got it. So um, I think that's pretty a pretty good conversation about the offensive line. Um, like, like we both said, as they continue to play together, they're just going to get better. Uh, let's talk about the defense in general. Um, they did what I said they were going to do last week. They just threw Roby back in the slot, which I, I I don't like that he's only going to play slot now. But at the end of the day, if you have a position and you have a player that can fit it, I, I like that they were willing to do that. I'm glad they didn't take Lonnie and say, hey, you're going to have to play slot for us. Because Lonnie wouldn't, Lonnie's not capable of playing slot. He's not able to turn his hips the way that he would need to. Um, and Bradley thrived in the slot position in Denver. And look what happened. I mean, Roby had a great game. Lonnie, you know, he had some moments, but uh, – and then J.J., you know, it's really hard to, like, say anything bad about Jonathan Joseph considering how great of a Texan, he, Texan he's been since he's been here. But, God, we get – I mean, just playing that soft zone every single snap, it, it's just hard. It's hard to watch. No, we're counting on the other team to make a mistake, and that just it doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen without a great pass rush. And, you know, here's the thing. Our, our pass rush was better this week than it was last week. I don't know if that's saying something against the, uh, the Jaguars. I don't know if it's something about the way the team's starting to come around, but to play that soft zone... I just don't think J.J. has the closing speed to really do it anymore. I mean, you saw a couple of plays by Lonnie Johnson, who played it perfectly, He, which is surprising as a rookie. But J.J. is just – this is where his lack of speed kind of shows up. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, J.J. isn't necessarily a liability yet at this point, but – um there's going to be moments where he's just not going to be able to make the play that you would want your corner to make. Uh, but Lonnie had a, a, a good game, a better game than Colvin. 
his first start, his first real NFL snaps, uh, he's going to get better. We knew he was a developmental rookie. Uh, he didn't play a lot in college, but he has the size and the the athletic ability to be a very good corner for us. And then Bradley Roby shined in the slot. So, yeah, I mean, it helps when you have a pass rush, or at least a little bit better of a pass rush than what you had. JJ, yet again, I mean, I know he was doubled and triple teamed or whatever he wants to say, and he was held. But, dude, I'm telling you, like, these if we were to just go based off of these two games with what we're going to expect from JJ Watt the rest of the season, thank God that Whitney Merciless is here because we would. I mean, I know Charles Aminu had a good game, but, like, Whitney is the pass rush right now, and his spin move, by the way, is, like, at an all-time high. Like, Dwight Freeney-level spin move. Uh, it was incredible to watch. Whitney had a great game. Well, believe it or not, with J.J., I can't – there's either two things going on. One is he looks – almost a little bit more timid. He's not playing with that same sort of anger that he used to play with, uh, that same sort of emotion. I wonder if he is, the superstar life is beginning to get to him a little bit. Not necessarily like he's tired of being a superstar, he's just, and I don't want to say soft, because he could still break me into teeny tiny pieces. But it's just not, that same fire, that same hunger may not be there anymore. Or, which is more likely, is it looks like he might be playing a little less selfishly now. Like he's, not jumping off the ball and taking the risk that he used to take, but he's actually absorbing the double teams on purpose to free up lanes for other pass rushers, which is kind of the design of a 3-4. In a 3-4, your defensive ends really are not supposed to be your pass rush. They're supposed to be there to eat up blockers. And, you know, J.J.'s been doing that, and he's been actually moving to the interior more often this year so far. So just maybe... He's not after out all, after all the sacks, and he just wants, you know, for the team, the team to win. I I guess I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to guess at this point because JJ is not playing the position like he had has in the past, even compared to last year. Just a lot more timid is what it seems like. Yeah, I think with. Uh... I think with JJ, the the issue I'm having, and I would agree that there's like that sense of like lack of aggressiveness, and you can see it off the line. It's he is not he's not as quick off the snap as he usually is, and he he just yeah. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe he's being less selfish, but he still just doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't look the same. I don't. I'm not sure what it is. He says he's 100% healthy, but when I'm watching him line up, he just usually he'll he'll be able to get to the outside really quick, and he hasn't been able to do that. Uh, they're able to close out and push him even further outside, and then the quarterback just steps up. Uh, I don't know if this is kind of what we're we're going to expect. You know, if Charles Menhue and DJ Reader end up continuing to have the game that they had on Sunday, you know, maybe we don't need J.J. to be, you know, 2014-15 J.J. Watt, but I just, uh, I don't know. It's kind of bothersome, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of it has to do mentally with me 
thinking about the fact that we got rid of Jadavian Clowney for nothing. I know Jacob Martin looks like he's going to be, a, you know, a player, um, but the chances of Jacob Martin being Jadavian Clowney are very, very slim. And I just keep thinking back to, you know, JD could be on this team and we could be, you know, in a much better place, but we're not. And that's fine. We got to move on. I totally understand. Um, I don't know. I just, the J.J. Watt stuff is, is very bothersome, but whatever. Let's let's move on. D.J. Reader had, like, maybe one of the best games that he could have potentially ever had. Um, I think he even had, like, some milestone PFF grade that was, like, a big deal. Uh, D.J. was, like, stupend- stupendous. Well, according to PFF, both D.J. Reader and Charles Amenehu had what they call elite-level grades. Um, two of the highest grades that our interior line have had in years. So, I mean, it's still I – don't, I don't ever know what to make a PFF anymore. Um, but it's still interesting to throw out there, especially because uh, Charles Amenehu was not even active last week. And this week he, he was, and this week he was actually playing like the player that all the Texas fans talked him up to be, which is exciting. I hope he's that player. I hope this is uh, just a taste of what we have to come. But between him and DJ Re- Reader, they were they were wrecking house. It was nice to see. Yeah, no, it, it was very nice to see. Um, hopefully it continues. The offensive line for the Jaguars is not great. It, it's average. It's okay. It's better than what we've had the last two years, but – if, yeah, if this is the performance we get from the defensive line, great. I mean, they were they were very solid against the run, um, and, you know, they were able to get to the quarterback. Charles had a really, really good game. Um, I'm glad he got the start over Watkins. I'll tell you what, the one thing that I took away from this game was just the fact that it seems like Bill O'Brien really isn't messing around anymore when it comes to his lineups and his players. I don't think he cares where they were drafted. Um, it's now about playing the best players that he can, which to me has always been like, I don't understand why why it's not been that way until now, but something clicked in his mind for him to say, okay, Central is not good enough. We're going to have to try Roderick and Carlos Watkins isn't good enough. We're going to have to trot out Charles Aminahue and Aaron Colvin isn't good enough. We're going to need to cut Aaron Colvin. Um, these are things that I've been screaming for, for Bill O'Brien to do. And, it looks like he's doing it. It looks like he's, you know, he let the emotion go when he let JD go, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming all of the emotional stuff that he had in his bag went with JD, and now he's just doing what's best for the team. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much all I have. I'm, I'm just glad that Bill O'Brien is willing to put the best players out there instead of who he would like to be out there. Well, it makes me kind of wonder how much input that – the GMs previously had in the past with, um, I don't want to say with lineup and who plays personnel, but just like how much influence and how much communication. If it's one of those things where, like Brian Gain was just telling Bill O'Brien, just give him another week, he's going to turn it around. Give him another week, he's going to turn around. And, you know, some of those players never really did. Whereas now Bill O'Brien's just like, you know, he's flying almost by the seat of his pants with it when it comes to some of these personnel moves. He's just like, you know what, screw it. You're, you aren't getting it done. Next person up. And it's that level of accountability that it has been screamed for 
here in Houston since Bill O'Brien became the coach. It's like we could see personnel mistakes, and they would take forever and ever and ever to fix them, but it was usually somebody that was either drafted high or they paid outrageous amounts of money to. And it was like it was just like this slow burn, and then they'd be gone forever. Like Raheem Moore is the name that comes to mind. And now maybe that – I don't want to say that it wasn't Bill O'Brien making those lineup changes to begin with, but I'm, I'm going to say that more with the guys that maybe in the past he would trust them and that would temper his, his quick temper because we know he, he had one. We know famously that he wanted to get rid of Mallet um, and go into a game with one quarterback. That would have been interesting. But famously, he wanted to do that, and now if he really wants to do something like that, he could. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he's got he's got the ability to do, to make all of the personnel decisions, and uh, you know maybe we would have been in a better position than what we've been in in the past if that was the case. Uh, we're also only into week two, so let's just kind of see how this goes. Uh, the other goods from this game are the the <laughs> the running backs. <laughs> Carlos Hyde is a is a running back, and he's a feature running back for this team, and he looks extremely good. And Duke Johnson looks extremely good. I see a lot of people are upset that we're not passing to Duke Johnson right now. Um, you can see that he that Deshaun tried to um, on that will route miscommunication. Um, I think that they're they're both just getting acclimated to the offense still and. You know, as time goes on, they're going to get better. But right now, John, with where the run game is, I I said it last week, nobody would have guessed that this run game would be as good as it is right now once Lamar Miller went down. And yet it's actually better in in every way. Um, it's, it's just shocking the fact that, you know, Carlos Hyde has been – one of the most productive running backs in the league this this year so far through two weeks. Well, it was like last year um, for Baker Mayfield's first game, I believe it was Jason Braddock or it might have been Pat Starr that tweeted out looking at the Browns running back depth, and it's like, what would the Texans do to have this sort of depth? How many of those players would have started over um, players that are currently on the Texans? And now we have the answer. Um, <laughs> definitely Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. They came – not together, but they might as well have come together. Uh, last year at the same time, they were on the Browns being used incorrectly. Now you bring them over to the Texans, and both of them over are over four and a half yards per carry. I believe uh, Carlos Hyde is at 4.6. Duke Johnson's at 4.7 yards per carry, which is insane. And they're, they're balanced out, and... Right now, the biggest gripe that I'm going to continue to have on offense is, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's trust issues or not, or what, but Deshaun hasn't been seeing the middle of the field. If you look at his past attempts and where he was looking, he was just looking for his outside receivers receivers all game, and we'll kind of get into that here in just a second, and it may just be that him and Duke haven't developed the chemistry yet, but there is absolutely no complaints about Carlos Hyde. He came over to do exactly what he's been doing, to be a better Alfred Blue, to be that essentially the running back that Bill O'Brien always tried to turn Lamar Miller into, run in between the tackles, run hard, run to contact, and just kind of grind it out. And he's been doing it, and hopefully he can keep it up. 
Yeah, no, I agree. This this run game is um, spectacular. Uh, they're going to be really good next week. Our run defense is going to be tested uh, pretty toughly when we play the Chargers next week um, as their ground game is, is pretty explosive right now, even without Melvin Gordon. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. It's nice. It was funny because I was watching the game and I was like, why are we throwing the ball? <laughs> Which I've never been able to say to myself. I've always been like, why are we running the ball? <laughs> like, why? And now it's like, okay, can we run the ball, please? Like, we're really productive when we do it. Can you please run more, Bill O'Brien? I, I just I, – I'm, I'm so ecstatic that we have a – really good run game to build off of, and that's going to play a big part in this offense as we move forward with the play-action game. So now teams are going to have to account for Carlos Hyde, and and players are going to – wide receivers are going to be open, tight ends are going to be open if we ever look at our tight ends. I guess we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, overall, I get it. You know, we we beat the Jags by by, by one point at the end, but – I mean, I, I felt like there was still a lot of good to take away from this game. I think if you take away the goods from this game and the goods from the Saints game and put those together, I think you see what exactly this this team can be and what it can do. Um, I feel a lot better going into week three than I expected to feel. And a lot of that has to do with just what Bill O'Brien's been doing and He's building a team that can compete. Um, he's making the moves that need to be made for us to be competitive. He's not timid. And this team, you know, I I know it's hard to, like, believe after, you know, just watching us beat the Jags by one point, but I really do think this team is going to be something special come, you know, towards the end of the year. We just got to give it just a little bit more time, which I feel like is, you know, something that we say a lot on this podcast, I, I know we've been saying it about Bill O'Brien for three years, but once all of the offensive pieces are in place and know the playbook and are on the same page as everybody else, it's going to be extremely interesting to watch how all this works because we have playmakers at every single position, John. Yeah, dude, it's, it's something that's kind of mind-blowing. Like, this offense really does have the pieces, the offensive line, and most importantly, it actually has depth as well. The only position at this point that we're really weak on the offensive side is maybe still our center. <laughs> and I, I still think Fulton should get moved over to center and put – Sharping at, at guard, but whatever. That'll happen before the season's over. Even though... No, not without a contract. Not, well, he's going to get hurt. You know, mm. Martin always gets hurt. So it's going to happen eventually. Mm. And I'm not rooting for injuries because I don't want him to get hurt, but I would really like to see that, that offensive line grouping. But at this point, it's like... Seriously, there's not much we can truly complain about. And with our running backs, I don't think we're going to be running as much zone as we did in the past. They're both of both Duke and Carlos know how to run man. Granted, that's usually the easier one, but they both know how, and we have a fullback, so running power, and it shouldn't be an issue. 
So I don't know if we can keep up with the Chiefs, and a lot of that will be dependent on how our offense and our, I'm sorry, our defense gels and how our secondary. But I think that our offense will be good enough to keep us in just about every single game. And, you know, it's going to happen. There, this was probably Deshaun's third or fourth worst game as a pro. We still managed to win it. And that's going to happen. And, I mean, they're still players. They're still people. They're not machines that go out there and put up exactly the same every week. So, I'm again, I'm excited. I, I It's the weirdest feeling because you go on Twitter, you listen to Sports Talk Radio right now, and it's like we're going to burn, burn them all to the ground because we only beat the Jaguars, the undermanned Jaguars by one point. Or it should be just, again, most importantly, we still beat them. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's all you're asking for. So, all right, let's get to some of the bad. Um, I tweeted this during the game, and I I regret hitting the send button, but I, I think it's true. Uh, this secondary misses Tyron Matthew. Not necessarily his play, but more of the communication in the back end, um, lining people up, putting them in position. Uh, Justin Reed hasn't – I know he had a great, you know, game-saving tackle on the end zone, but – uh, Justin Reed has not been um, as good as he was last year. Uh, Tashawn Gibson really is is so far through two weeks pretty much a no-show. And Jail Adai, um, a liability in coverage. I think that's really the only way I can put it. But um, the, the piece of Tyron Matthew that's being felt right now is just the fact that nobody is out there commanding and directing the, the secondary and the safeties. And it's kind of interesting to see because, like I said, I mean, you guys all know how much I hate Tyron Matthew. I think he's a lot of words that I can't say. But, uh, yeah, it's – I mean, when you watch the safeties play now, it's totally different than what it was last year. John, you would uh, – you going to chime in there or – Sorry, like I said, I'm using this cough button quite a bit. Um, so wait, did you just say that you're you're missing Tyron Matthew? Not his play, but you know the leadership stuff that everybody always highly touted prior to him coming here, and also while he was here, um, more that than anything. I'm not missing the whiffed, you know, tackles and things like that. I mean, not really. Just go look at the Chiefs. It's a good thing that they can outscore everybody because that that defense has some issues, and Tyron Matthew has not been very good for them. It's like I get it. I get that fire. Like right now our defense is missing fire. There's no other way to put it. Like J.J. doesn't have it right now. Um, We don't – I mean, there's no one – really on the defense that you would think that would just be out of their mind. Like, I would think that maybe Dylan Cole will step up. Maybe Vinardrick McKinney will step up with it. Even Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson, like, during the Packers, like, he was the one that was getting everybody hyped up. And right now, though, there's just none of that. And with the defense, even more so than the offense, they do play with emotion. But I'm not going to say that I miss Tyron Matthew. No. Like I said, I don't miss the player. 
or the playing ability. I just I, I do miss his command of the defense in the back and being able to line people up. That's really all it is. You can see, you know, that Justin Reed learned a lot from him, things like that. So it was a hard pill to swallow, but I'm going to admit it. I'm still glad that we didn't pay him $14 million. Just think that we're missing that one piece yeah. because we really don't. We don't have that. No, Justin Reed's going to be better at it than Tyron Matthew is in, here in a, a couple of weeks. I mean, dude went to Stanford versus LSU. Seriously. No, I'm I'm joking. But, <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, but I'm I'm not too worried about it. Just think about it. Essentially, with Justin Reed trying to line up the secondary, it's his first time doing it. And we saw the issues that Benardrick McKinney had when he took over for Cushing two years back, lining everybody up. It just takes a little bit, and then they get it, and then they're fine. Because now McKinney gets the, the front seven lined up without any issues. Now, again, the secondaries, part of it is they're all new. I mean, none of them were here last year except for J.J. So they just got to – it's the same as what we keep saying on offense. They just got to get time to kind of gel a little bit. It is still our weakest part of the team, but they did look a lot better with, with Roby playing slot, Johnson up – on the outside and uh, JJ on the other side. No, I agree. I agree. They look better. I just, uh, yeah, there's just certain parts. But you're right. I mean, I know Justin Reed will eventually get it. I just uh, would have liked to see more, especially because I just had high expectations for him coming into the season. So, but he also did miss a ton of the off season and stuff with the car accident. So, yeah, I mean, eventually he'll 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 be what we need him to be, but. All right, let's get into uh, – that's really about it on the negatives. I didn't really have too many more negatives. Um, I mean, we were great against the run. Uh, the the offense itself and Sean Watson, you know, wasn't great. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he had his worst game as a pro because I seem to remember a wild card game last year that was pretty bad. Um but he definitely wasn't the Deshaun Watson that we've come to expect. But at the end of the day, we got a W, and if he can figure this out, he's got to be able to recognize blitzes. It's something I've been screaming for most of last year and then, you know, two weeks into this season. So I uh, hopefully he gets that under control. But with the, the rest of the team, I mean, I think it was a solid performance, um, and I expect it to just continue. Uh, all right, let's get into this Jalen Ramsey news. John, I'm going to let you break this down while I go kick my cat for meowing. Um, just kidding. I'm not going to kick him, Peter. I'm just going to pick him up and move him. Um, is Jalen Ramsey coming to Houston? You know, I think if he had his, his, his say in it, he would. Uh, we've been teasing it for, ye- for years now. Um, if he ends up in Houston, I could – I get to claim that I predicted it two years ago, and everybody's been telling me that I'm crazy. But he's he's absolutely in love with DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. He wants to come play with them. And, you know, if you brought Jalen Ramsey over to the Texans, I fully endorse the idea that Pat Starr threw out there where it's like, hey, let's just do the whole go, – go full Daryl Moore and give our next three first-round picks away. We don't need a first pick our first round pick for the next five years. But, I mean, honestly, that's probably not going to happen. Nobody's that crazy. And, honestly, with his close friends as Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone are, I just, 
unfortunately, I cannot see it actually happening as much as I think there's a lot of people out there, including Jalen Ramsey, that would like to make it happen. Yeah, I think – well, so let's, let's address, address the Doug Marone-Bill O'Brien relationship. At the end of the day, Tom Coughlin's going to be the one that pulls something like that off, and he's not trading him in division. Uh, now, if the offer is right, maybe. You know, if you're able to give up two first-round picks or something like that, but we are not in a position where we can do that. Uh, we – correct me if I'm wrong, John, but – I think in a season you're only allowed to give the next two drafts, like the picks from the next two drafts. So you cannot give, like we can't give a 2022 draft pick. Am I correct? I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you're only allowed to trade draft picks two for two drafts uh, in the future. So. I could be wrong. I'll double check, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Um, so with that being said, I don't think that we can. Um, I just don't know what we can give them uh, to be able to get him. Uh, is really all it boils down to. Um, I mean, I threw a situation out there, basically saying that we can uh, we could trade Will Fuller and a second and a third. The team, the Jags need a wide receiver. Will Fuller would be a great piece for them. Um, and you have Kenny Stills, so you could technically just let Kenny Stills fill in for Will Fuller. Now, Kenny Stills is not Will Fuller, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's like the only situation I see where we have a piece that maybe they would want, a young wide receiver who can be a focal point of an of the offense and a second and a third. But outside of that, John, I just don't know what else we have to offer. Our linebacking group is our deepest group, but they're very deep at linebacker too. So I don't know. I just I don't see a situation where we have the pieces to do it. Now, on the other side, the only thing I could see that maybe it happens is if he goes full Antonio Brown. If he goes full Antonio Brown and – makes it to where he chooses where he goes and they just want to get rid of him, then maybe. But the difference is Antonio Brown plays a position where there's a lot of them, a lot of good ones. Jalen plays a position where there's not a lot of great corners. And I just – he could get as toxic as he wants. He's still under contract for the next two years after this season. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I can't see it happening. But if I'm Bill O'Brien, I'm talking to David Muguleta and saying, hey, look, we got Sean here. We got Charles here. We're going to have to do an extension with Sean next season. Uh, you know, what, what can we do? And maybe something happens. But if I had to bet... I would bet that he won't be traded here. Now, when his contract is up, maybe he becomes a free agent and signs here in two years or a year. But uh, I, I just don't see us traded for him, John. Yeah, I go back to my original statement that, what was it? I want to say almost exactly two years ago, I said that when Jalen Ramsey gets to choose which team that he goes to, 
the Texans will definitely be a, a heavy contender. Um, I don't know if we'll have the cap space to actually sign him, but I think that when he actually gets to choose which team he wants to go to, if as long as we have Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to be very, very interested in going to the Texans. The problem is there are so many teams out there that currently need a cornerback, a shutdown corner. There's not a lot of them out there. And they are literally going to back up the Brinks truck to bring him in. And that's why he's not going to get traded here, because if Minka Fitzpatrick can get one first-rounder, Jalen Ramsey can pretty much get whatever the Jacksonville Jaguars request. And we don't have – we just don't have the draft cap, draft capital. I mean, I, I know Joke would say, just give him our next two drafts, every pick we have left, all the thirds, everything. But, I mean, you really can't do that in the NFL, and we would have to rely on our scouting department to find more undrafted free agents. Uh, Yeah, no. It's not going to happen. I hate that it's not going to happen, but, hey, if it tears up that Jaguars team, I'm all for that. I think that's the fourth team to the Patriots, and then I'm just done with football. I'm just done. Well, he won't be a Patriot. He he won't. I see that a lot, and it's funny because that happens every time a marquee player is up. But they're very freaking deep at corner. I just I can't see them trading for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I I think they have like the number one um number one defense in the league through week through two weeks. And yeah, Stephon Gilmore is I, I, ranked the number one corner in football right now, and. You know that comment that Gilmore made last year about Ramsey. It's like when Ramsey said he was the best, Gilmore was like, come talk to me when you start playing man. You know that's just fed into Ramsey's, like, anger with Jacksonville playing as much zone as they do. And that's the other thing to remember about Houston. If he's mad at Jacksonville for playing zone, what would he do here when he has to play a soft zone? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no joke. But I think, and on top of that, I don't think he'd want to go to New England because he wants to get paid. A, a lot of this has to do with not just what happened Sunday, but also he, he, he wants an extension, and he deserves an extension. He's the first or second best corner in the league. It's, it's him or uh, Stephen Gilmore. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see him going to the Patriots. John, if you were to guess where he ends up, uh, where would you say that he is traded to? I have I have no clue because the perfect tweet was about the whole situation is Jalen Ramsey would be an upgrade at corner for 30 out of 32 teams. So just any team out there that needs a corner. I mean, the other team that will cause me to have a small meltdown is the Cowboys could definitely use them and the, it's the type of move that it just sounds like they would make, but I don't know if they have the draft capital to go get them. Um, I don't know. I think the Raiders. Maybe. Maybe. Think, yeah, I think the Raiders. He's also uh, made comments before that he played for the Raiders. Um, I think it would be a good matchup. The Raiders aren't as bad of a team as many people thought they would be. Um despite how they lost to Kansas City. I think everybody that plays Kansas City is probably going to be that bad. I also think the Chiefs are a dark horse, which scare me 
a little bit more because, I mean, they're they're not great on defense, but they have pieces on defense to be great. And then when you add Jalen Ramsey to that mix, it's like, geez, like, and they have Mahomes under contract for at least another two seasons if they don't extend, you know, they have next year and then a, a fifth year option, same situation as Deshaun. If they wanted to, they could really go all in right now and send whatever they want to um, Jacksonville. You know, I'm cool with the Chiefs because at least it's not the Patriots. I mean, shoot, the Chiefs were my grandfather's team. I remember the first time they made the playoffs. We were, it was like my first trip to Disney World, and my grandfather and my uncle left us to go watch the Chiefs play in the playoffs. So, you know what? Good for them. And if he ends up there. And regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as it's not the Patriots, just don't be the Patriots. Because the Patriots... You're right, they don't have anything to trade for him, but it's just that something will somehow happen and he ends up there because, of course, why not? Yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. It's very interesting, the fact that this came out. All right, let's go through what I wanted to do was just kind of talk about. So right now through two weeks, we're one and one. Should be two and oh, but two and oh, but whatever. Uh, we play the Chargers next week who don't look like the team that we expected them to be. They just lost to the Lions, who I actually don't think is that bad of a team. Uh, and then we play the Panthers, Falcons, and Chiefs. In a perfect world, we would like to go uh, 4-0 in the next you know, four games, but that's not going to happen. If you could win – you know, if you could predict the record that you'd like for them to have to, to feel better coming out of week six over the next four games and puts us in a good position, what would you – like, what are your expectations for the next four games? So, so Chargers, Panthers, Falcons, Chiefs. The only team that – we should easily go 3-1, and one, I think. Cam Newton is not Cam Newton. The Falcons have this great way of being a huge letdown whenever there's a, a marquee game for them. Except for last night. Do what? Except for last night. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's fair enough. They did beat the Eagles. But I don't know. I just feel as though they're beatable. It's The game that we would probably lose is the Chiefs. Okay. Yeah, I think – I think we lose one of those games just because that's like you're you're not going to we're not going to win five straight. So yeah, if I had to pick a game it'll be the Chiefs that we lose. Part of me thinks that there's a chance that we're clicking going into the Chiefs and things start to turn around. I feel like like the way the story is building with the team that that could be the the chance for us to get that staple victory, that signature win that you need. I know that they're really good and I know Pat Mahomes is really good and they have so many weapons, but Tyreek Hill is not going to be back. And I know that didn't matter this week, but they were playing the Raiders and I don't know. I just, part of me thinks that that's the time we're going to be rolling. And 
I actually – I don't want to – okay, I'll just – I think we're going to beat the Chiefs. If we beat the Chiefs, the entire narrative around Bill O'Brien changes overnight. Yeah. Everything just changes if we beat the Chiefs. So that means we can't beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I I know that – like like I said, I know, you know, call it a gut feeling or whatever you want to call it. I just – I'm taking away from week one what we saw from the offense, and then I'm taking away from week two what we saw against, with the defense. And I know that that was against Gardner Minshew, and it wasn't against a prolific quarterback. And I, I understand all of that. I just – I still think that they're ironing out all the kinks. And I think that there's a chance that they really start to put this together. There's pieces in every single position group that you need to be successful and win and compete against, you know, the top tier teams. And even though our secondary isn't strong, strong, I think we're strong enough. And at that time, that's going to be, you know, Lonnie's fifth game and the safeties will gel and the pass rush will get better. And I mean, the linebacking group is probably not going to, I mean, they were really good on Sunday. Uh, they, they they tend to not get enough love, to be honest with you. Zach Cunningham, actually, I thought had, like, one of the best games that he's ever had as a Texan. Um, so I, I'm just looking at it, you know, I'm trying to look at it from four weeks out, and I'm thinking, like, okay, take what we did with the Saints, take the defense that we had against the 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 Jags, and put that all together, and you have a better version of the Chiefs. That's my thought. I still think that Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Call it blasphemy. Call it bias. But I think Deshaun is a better quarterback, pure quarterback. And I don't know. I just think once we're rolling into week six, I just think I think the narrative around this team is going to be different. For all we know, next week I could be singing a completely different tune, you know, if we get spanked by the Chargers. But – I it would be the most Texans game thing ever for us to get spanked by the Chargers. Yeah, I can't uh, barely barely lose to the Panthers. The Falcons blow us out, and then we barely pull one out against the Chiefs. That would actually be the most Texans. Wait yeah, for this to all go. John, honestly, I don't know what it is, and I can't like put my finger on why I feel this way. I just, I really think things are starting to look good for this team. Well, we have the, the we have the potential I've ever, I've ever felt about this team. This Texans team has the potential to be the most well-rounded Texans team that we've that we've seen prior to Schaub having Liz Frank. And I mean, the possibilities are there. There may be something to what Jason Braddock said about team sex because there was a lot of different players that were able to get pressure. Um, there may also be something that if J.J. can turn it on for at least a game or two and still be the J.J. of old and come out of nowhere. And we do have enough speed now in, in the secondary to kind of cover for J.J., but most importantly, the offense should be able to put points up when they need to. And I think part of it, like, I, part, I honestly think part of the problem against the Jaguars is they just, they didn't have that fire to go out and score. They just didn't elevate themselves, whereas, you know, against the right opponent, they will. Um, some teams, 
It takes them getting behind. Sometimes that's what uh, gets them lit up. Sometimes it's when they score quick, they get confident, and then it just gets fun. But, yeah, this team is as well-rounded as any Texans team we've seen in quite a while, and they should be able to do it. Again, should. But the Chiefs are really scary, and the Chiefs have to lose a game. So... Why not us? Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. I'm trying to think. Anything else we need to discuss? All right. We're going to be recording on the road next week because you're going to be in South Carolina. I'm going to be in New York. Um, so I don't know when that will be out, but we're going to record next week even though we're traveling. Uh, John, is there anything else that we need to talk about any other relevant information? Anything no, I'm actually kind of amazed that we got 55 minutes out of this when I can't go two minutes without dying of coughing. So you also didn't for... anybody's name. Not yeah, one. Don't, 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 don't put that on me. I'll mess up no. your name now. Not one name. Interesting. It looks like that book Ryan got you is really working out. So thank you, Ryan. You just gave us a, a better product. I don't know if it's better if I get the names right. That's part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah, honestly, it might not be. Ryan, you might have ruined the show by by correcting or giving uh, the book to John because now he's not going to mess up any names. Uh, all right. You know where you can find us. You know where you can find us on social media. The outro is going to take care of all of that. Uh, again, just last time, I'll probably mention it. Thank you again for last week's um, event. ton of fun. It was awesome seeing everybody. It was cool to just meet and talk. Um, I've gotten emails and texts and, and cool things from listeners, so you know I really appreciate it. With that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered this week. We will catch you in week three. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.